0: Hi y'all, I'm Colin, and today we join with the Universal Church celebrating Palm Sunday. Jesus' entering to Jerusalem just days before He's crucified is a familiar narrative. All four Gospel writers tell the story of Him riding on a colt with the crowds on the street shouting, Hosanna, meaning, save now. In this special Palm Sunday message, Pastor John Huang shows us that the plea Hosanna wasn't heard only on that day. In fact, it's been heard throughout all of history. Since sin entered the world, the cry of the human heart has been for deliverance. We ache in a world full of brokenness and corruption. And as we'll see today, only Jesus can answer humanity's Hosanna call. Only He is able to save now. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew 21 for a message entitled, Hosanna, a deep longing for deliverance. Happy Palm Sunday. It's so good to be here with you. Now, today is Palm Sunday, but I would like to open up this sermon with a hymn that is traditionally sung during the Christmas season. We all know the hymn, O come, O come, Emmanuel, right? Now, this song started as an ancient Latin hymn, then came to us as an English translation in 1851. Now, as I read the words of this familiar hymn, I don't want us to just listen to the words, but I want us to hear the deep longings that are expressed in these words. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. O come, thou wisdom, from on high, and order all things far and nigh to us the path of knowledge show and teach us in her ways to go. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times did give the law in cloud and majesty and awe. O come, thou rod of Jesse's stem, from every foe deliver them that trust thy mighty power to save and give them victory over the grave." O come, thou key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high, that we no more have cause to sigh. O come, thou dayspring from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadow put to flight. O come, desire of the nations, bind in one the hearts of all mankind. Bid every strife and quarrel cease and fill the world with heaven's peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Now this hymn is a prayer to God the Son. That expresses a deep longing for deliverance. This is a Hosanna plea. Now during the first Palm Sunday, when Jesus the Messiah entered Jerusalem, a large crowd gathered and paved his path with their garments, and they waved palm branches high in the air, and they kept shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, this word hosanna, it comes from the Hebrew word hoshiana, which means save now. Listen, hosanna is not praise, hosanna is a plea. It is a petition for deliverance. And this plea, Hosanna, save now, listen, it expresses a deep longing for deliverance that is heard and felt through biblical history from the fall to the first advent of Christ and the second advent, his appearing and the renewal of all things. The Bible tells God's story of redemption and renewal, and in it, we hear the repeated prayers of the church and creation of saints and sinners. They're crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. So let's look at this biblical story. And so we need to start at the beginning With creation. You know, the opening two chapters of Genesis tell the story of God creating the world and humans. In six days, God created the sun, the stars, the moon, the earth, the sky, the land and plant life. He created birds and water creatures and he created land animals and humans. And his crowning act in creation was when he made man and woman. And we know who they were, right? The man, his name was Adam. That's what his name means, man. And the woman, her name was Eve. Her name means living. And listen, God made both man and woman in his likeness. That means he made them to reflect his character, and he made them to represent his rule in the world. And we see there at the beginning of the human story that God blessed these two and he had a personal relationship with them. And God looked at creation and he said, Everything is very good. Then Genesis 3 happens. In Genesis 3, the biblical story takes a sharp downward turn, it goes from very good to very bad. And so from creation, we see the fall. And the setting of the fall, it happens in a beautiful place called the Garden of Eden. And among all the trees in this garden, two specific trees are mentioned, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God had instructed Adam not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And listen, Adam and Eve, they could choose with this command, they could choose to either trust God and obey him or to dismiss God's word and disobey him and experience the consequence of death. And In this setting, we see the serpent appearing for the very first time in Genesis chapter three, verse one. He's also called in the Bible, Satan, which means adversary, and the devil, which means the accuser, the slanderer. And one day, Eve entered a conversation with the serpent near the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the serpent lied to her. The serpent lied to her about God's word, lied to her about God's character, and he convinced the woman to eat from the tree. And after Eve ate, she gave some of the fruit to Adam, and he ate too. And this act brought human sin and death into the world. This means that in Adam, Every person is a sinner by nature and relationship between humans and God is broken. And yet, in this tragic moment, God showed grace to these first human sinners. You see, Adam and Eve were ashamed in their nakedness, so God covered them. With skins of animals that were slain on their behalf. And he also announced the proto-evangelium. And you're thinking, proto-what? The proto-evangelium, it means the first gospel. In Genesis 3:15, God said to the serpent, I'm declaring war. Between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, he'll crush your head, you'll wound his heel. This is the first promise of the Messiah, the serpent crusher. You see, the serpent will strike a death blow against the Messiah, and the Messiah will defeat and destroy the serpent. Now, listen. Starting here in Genesis 3, humanity is held captive by sin and death. Humanity's condition is broken and marred, but there is hope. God promised to send a deliverer so we can hear. We can begin to hear the deep longing in Scripture. Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now the patriarchs. You see, since the fall, humanity spiraled downward, deeper and deeper in sin. In Genesis 4, Cain murdered his brother Abel. In Genesis 5, death is the normal pattern in Adam's family line. In Genesis 6, humans are described as evil, wicked, and corrupt. In Genesis 11, people built a tower to rebel against God's rule. Then... In Genesis 12 through 50, God promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that through their family line, this Messiah, this deliverer, this serpent crusher would come. God chose a family through whom he'd bring the Messiah into the world. In fact, in genesis twelve and twenty two God promised to Abraham that through his offspring, all the nations on earth will be blessed. The apostle Paul explains in Galatians chapter three verse sixteen that this offspring is not a people plural but a person singular. God was promising to Abraham. The coming of Christ. This is the promise of a messianic hope. And God restated and reaffirmed this promise to Isaac in Genesis 26 and Jacob in Genesis 28. The ancient world was lost and in spiritual darkness, but hope was renewed. The Messiah is coming through the family line of the Hebrew patriarchs. The plea. For deliverance is rekindled. Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. Then we come to the Exodus Israel was in bondage. Since the death of Jacob's son Joseph, Israel was enslaved and held in Egyptian bondage for 430 years. And then we see the Exodus, that during this time of bondage, God saw Israel's sufferings and he heard their groanings. And at the right time, he sent a man named Moses to liberate them from bondage. And in the act of rescuing his people, God struck Egypt with 10 plagues. And the last of these plagues happened on Israel's first Passover night. The men of Israel killed lambs and then applied their blood on the door beams and the doorposts of their houses and then the people roasted and ate the lambs inside their homes, ready to leave Egypt. And that night, God struck the firstborn of every family that was not inside a blood-marked house. But... He passed over every home that was blood marked. This death blow caused Pharaoh to tell Israel to leave Egypt and Israel left. And with this exodus, the journey to the promised land begins. And I want you to see what God did for Israel after the people left Egypt. God promised to take them to a new homeland, a land flowing with milk and honey. God led his people by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God led them through the Red Sea. God provided food and water for them in the desert. God defeated their enemies. God entered a covenant union with them on Mount Sinai, giving them the Ten Commandments as the terms of their covenant relationship. God gave them a tabernacle, priests, an offering so Israel could meet with them on earth. God revealed himself to them as Yahweh, full of goodness, mercy, truth, and justice. And how do the people respond to God? They murmured and complained. They made and worshiped an idol. They came against God's leader, Moses. They practiced sexual sin in the way of the idol-worshiping people of Moab. They refused to enter the land God promised to give them because they did not believe and trust God. Because of Israel's unbelief and refusal to enter the promised land, Israel wandered in a desert for 40 years until a generation died. The plea continues, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. Then we come to the time of the judges. After Moses died, Joshua led a new generation into the promised land. Later, after Joshua's death, God appointed judges to govern Israel, and this period lasted for 350 years. And the time of judges was a dark period in Israel's history. We read in the judges that Israel abandoned Yahweh. Israel worshipped and served false gods. Consequently, Israel's enemies defeated them and oppressed them. And Israel cried to Yahweh for deliverance, and Yahweh responded by raising up judges to rescue Israel for her, from her enemies. And then Judges two nineteen says, "But when the judge died, the people returned to their corrupt ways, behaving worse than those who had lived before them. They went after other gods, serving and worshiping them, and they refused to give up their evil practices in stubborn ways." The cycle of apostasy, oppression, supplication, and deliverance is repeated for more than three centuries. God used the judges to liberate Israel from their oppressors, but listen, they could not rid the people's heart of idolatry and sin. This period demonstrates that the human heart cannot break the cycle of sin on their own. We need someone to rescue us from our sin-bound selves. The plea continues, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. Then the time of the kings. When Samuel was God's prophet in Israel, Israel no longer wanted to be God-ruled, but king-ruled. So God let them have kings. And the first three kings of Israel were Saul, David, and Solomon. And the greatest of these was King David. And God promised King David that in 2 Samuel seven sixteen that your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. God is promising that there is a future descendant of King David who is coming, and he will sit on his throne and rule God's kingdom forever. This is the Messiah King. And then during the reign of King Rehoboam, Solomon's son, the nation of Israel, was divided. Ten of Israel's tribe made Jeroboam I king, and they became the northern kingdom of Israel. And so from King Jeroboam I to King Hoshea, the kingdom of Israel continued until Samaria fell to the Assyrians in 722 B.C. And then two of Israel's tribe, Judah and Benjamin, they remained loyal to the royal line of King David, and they were known as the southern kingdom of Judah. And so from King Rehoboam to, till King Zedekiah, the kingdom of Judah continued until Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians in 605 B.C. and then destroyed in 586 B.C. And the story of the kings of Israel and Judah demonstrate that the world is still, still waiting for the one true king that God appointed to sit on King's David's throne and rule forever. I'll tell you, the story of the kings make us feel a deep longing for the true rightful king Who will establish God's kingdom on earth and bring God's lasting peace to our broken and sad world? The cry continues, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. Then the post-exile. Judah's people remained in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. In 539 BC, Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians. Then in 538 BC, King Cyrus allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Zerubbabel led the rebuilding of God's temple. The Hebrew prophets Haggai and Zechariah spoke God's word to God's people. Ezra the priest restored temple worship. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls and the gates of Jerusalem. And Queen Esther saved the Jews from annihilation in Persia. These were perilous times for Israel. In the coming years, Jerusalem would be controlled by Gentile kingdoms, namely the Greeks and the Romans. And then when the prophet Malachi finished speaking his messages from God, God stopped speaking to Israel for 400 years. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. Save now. Listen to the psalmists. Listen to the prophets. Listen to the Hebrew psalmist. He's teaching us the words to speak in our plea for deliverance. In Psalm 118, verses 22 through 26, he says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it This very day, let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord from the house of the Lord. We bless you. He's giving us words, He's giving us language to articulate this deep longing that's in our hearts. But also listen to the Hebrew prophet, he is announcing the future coming of the Messiah to Jerusalem, in Zechariah 9.9 the prophet says, rejoice greatly daughter Zion, shout daughters Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Then the advent of Jesus, the Messiah, came. In 4 BC, in a small Israeli village called Bethlehem, a baby boy was born. To a young virgin girl named Mary with her husband Joseph by her side. This child is Jesus. His name means Yahweh is salvation. This child is Emmanuel. God with us, he is the word made flesh, he is God who became human. This child is the Messiah, the spirit anointed, deliverer, the serpent crusher. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come to thee, O Israel. And when Jesus was about 30 years old, John the baptizer baptized him in the waters of the Jordan River, God the Spirit came upon him at his baptism. God the Father affirmed him at his baptism. And Jesus started his public ministry in Israel. And for more than three years, Jesus preached the good news of God's kingdom, and he displayed the power of God's kingdom by his miracles, and he called people to turn to God, turn from sin, and become citizens of God's kingdom. During the final year of his public ministry, Jesus told his disciples that he would be arrested and killed Then three days later, come back to life. And the Sunday before all this happened, he entered Jerusalem during the Passover season. And this moment is called the triumphant entry. Of Jesus, the Messiah, this is the first Palm Sunday. Jesus mounted a donkey and rode into Jerusalem as the prophet Zechariah announced 500 years earlier. And the crowds in Jerusalem, they welcomed Jesus with palm branches and shouts of Hosanna, but but they misunderstood the reason Jesus entered the city. Luke 19 verses 41 through 44 tells us that as Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day day what would bring you peace but now it is hidden from your eyes you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you you see the people waved palm branches as when welcoming a military liberator or a victorious king returning from war The people shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now, with the expectation that Jesus would lead a Maccabean-style revolt and liberate Israel from Roman rule and oppression. But Jesus the Messiah did not enter Jerusalem for this reason. He came to do so much more. The Palm Sunday Road did not take Jesus to the Antonia Fortress to overthrow the Roman governor and his armed military forces. Instead, the Palm Sunday Road led him to Golgotha where he suffered and died as the atoning sacrifice for the sin of the world. You see, Israel wanted a Messiah who would restore Israel's national strength, national significance in the world. They wanted their own king enthroned in splendor and majesty, not a Roman Caesar. Now listen, Jesus the Messiah, is Israel's true king, but during his first coming, he was to be enthroned a different way. So let me invite you to the enthronement of King Jesus. Come and see the enthronement of King Jesus. Watch his coronation Matthew 27, 29 says they wove thorn branches into a crown and put it on his head. See his royal vesture. Matthew 27, 28, and 29 says they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter. Listen to his adoration. Listen to his praise. Matthew 27 29, and 30. Then they knelt before him in mockery and taunted. Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and grabbed the stick and struck him on the head with it. Marvel at his exaltation. Matthew 27, 35, and 37 says, after they had nailed him to the cross, a sign was fastened above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him. It read, this is Jesus, the king. The king of the Jews. And Jesus said in John 12, 32, and 33, and when I am lifted up, From the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. The enthronement of Jesus the Messiah on the cross was not his defeat. It was his hour of glory. He is Christus victor. The victorious Christ. He was slaughtered as a sacrifice on a cross-shaped altar to atone for our sins. His lifeblood was spent as the ransom for our freedom from Satan and death. He was punished for our sins so we could be reconciled to God. He experienced horror so we could gain heaven. He was enthroned on a cross-shaped throne. There he died defeated, and publicly shamed the devil and demons and calls all humans to be part of God's eternal kingdom. This is the enthronement of King Jesus the Messiah. But the people weren't looking for that on the first Palm Sunday. And listen, the story of Jesus doesn't end after his death. He died, then returned to life three days later. That's why for us, this holy week, Easter week, man, this is like Super Bowl Sunday for the church. Death could not hold him. He conquered death. He put death to death. He is the risen, the victorious king. And to this Messiah king we shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But the story doesn't end there because then we see the return of Jesus the king. Between the first and second comings of Christ, God is bringing people into a forever right relationship with him. Between Pentecost and the return of Christ, the church is on mission in the world, broadcasting God's good news about Jesus and salvation and inviting people to become part of God's forever kingdom by believing and receiving Jesus, the Savior King. We live between the already And not yet. And in this space, we are actively partnering with God in his gospel mission in the world. We are looking forward to Christ's return as our blessed hope. We are living in the reality of what the Messiah has already done for us. And at the same time, we continue our plea. Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. And listen, our prayers for deliverance will be answered once and for all when King Jesus returns and establishes God's kingdom on earth. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The first time Jesus the Messiah came to the world, he was enthroned on a wooden cross in humiliation. The second time Jesus the king comes, he will be enthroned on King David's throne in exaltation. So see the glorious appearing of King Jesus. Look at his diadems Revelation 19:12 on his head were many crowns. Look at his royal vesture Revelation 19:16 on his robe at his thigh was written the title King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Look at his glorious appearance in Revelation 1:16. His face was like the sun or the sun in all its brilliance and listen to the praise in Revelation 19:6. I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. From Hosanna to hallelujah. So let's all tie this together this morning with a word of application. Hosanna Save Now is heard in human history from the fall to the renewal renewal of all things. This prayer continues today on Palm Sunday. Did you know that right now nature is crying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Save Now, Save Now? In Romans 8, 20 through 22, Paul wrote, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. When human sin entered the world, nature fell into dysfunction and disorder. And we feel it in every earthquake, in every hurricane, in every tsunami. We feel it in every natural disaster. You see, since the fall, all creation has been yearning for the full redemption of God's people because then nature will be completely free of death and decay forever. But not only is nature crying, Hosanna, save now, the church is crying, Hosanna, save now. Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew six ten: your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The world is broken and corrupt and getting worse. So we earnestly pray. We pray for our king to return and establish his rule and reign on the earth to judge evil, to end suffering, and to bring order and everlasting peace to our world. Until then, however, God wants us, you and me, to tell the world that His kingdom is both coming and here among us today. You see, God's kingdom will ultimately be present and visible in physical form on the earth in the future, but people can experience the life changing power and reality of God's kingdom. Today, in their hearts, in their lives, in their worship, in their everyday experiences and relationships. This is why Jesus said in Mark 1.15, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Nature is crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. The church is crying, Hosanna. Hosanna, the human heart is crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. When people see all the brokenness in the world, the suffering, disasters, corruption, injustice, hatred, cruelty, meaninglessness, and loneliness, listen, there is a deep, longing inside of all of us for rescue and change. We feel it. Now, lots of people, they feel this, but they don't know where to go to satisfy this longing. And so they pursue all sorts of some things and some ones to distract them and to try to satisfy this ache. But you know what it's like at the end of the day when you are alone, left to your thoughts in bed. You're still empty. You're still frustrated. You're still discouraged. You're still sad. We're here to announce the good news that the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the deliverer that all humanity needs. He is the one who hears and responds to our Hosanna pleas. Again, As we read earlier in Matthew 21, verses 9 through 11, that those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And listen, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. And here's the right question, who is this? Maybe today you were invited by a friend, invited by someone Maybe you came out of curiosity. You're listening out of perplexity. And you see us gathering together, shouting Hosanna, but also Hallelujah. And you're looking around and you're saying, who is this? And we as the church, as the crowds did, respond, this is Jesus. I don't know where everyone in this room is in their journey toward eternity. I don't know how long people have in their journey towards eternity. But I do know this. From creation to fall, to first coming until second coming, Until Jesus comes back and establishes rule and reign forever, the cry, Hosanna, Hosanna, will always be ringing in the hearts of people. And this same Jesus that we see working from creation on through history is the same Jesus that is here right now. And he is hearing your cry, he is seeing your pain, he is looking at you in your bondage. And Jesus says, I can answer your Hosanna plea. Jesus has come to save you from your guilt and your shame and your sin. And Jesus is coming again to bring God's everlasting peace and order to the world. And today, on this Palm Sunday, God is wanting to enter into your hearts as he did to Jerusalem that day so that we can not only sing Hosanna, 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 but today you can shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As we move to the Lord's table, and at this time I'm going to ask the worship team and the choir to come up as we respond to this message, and I can't think of a better place to come and Pray your hosannas, especially if you're not a Christian here today and you want Jesus to be the king of your ruined, disordered, empty heart today and for him to bring in life and light. At the Lord's table, as we receive the emblems of his body and blood, let me challenge you, let me invite you, believe the gospel the good news, and say to Jesus, the Messiah and King, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we thank you for the gospel, a gospel that isn't limited to just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John but a gospel that is seen from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. And Lord, we join the plea, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, save now. And we thank you that for many of us here, you have answered our prayer for rescue and you will answer it again when your kingdom come and your will is done here on earth as it is in heaven. But Lord, there's still people. There are people here in this room, on this campus, there are still people listening on the internet or will listen to this message on the radio that still haven't said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Father, would you by your grace and mercy cause King Jesus to enter into the gates of their hearts as he entered the gates of Jerusalem and may a people welcome him today as their king, as their messiah, the serpent crusher, the king who sits on the throne forever and who brings change and renewal in life. So thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. We receive it by faith in thanksgiving and celebration from the movement of Hosanna to hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray.